My name's Joe Biden. All men and women created by the go, you know the you know the thing. Joe Brandon, I agree. I mean, he has made clear that uh No, no. I promise you, the president has a big stick. I keep forgetting I'm president. You, you do realize, Pete, uh, a lot of black people feel like Democrats have kept no promises since they've been in since they've been in office. Really? You know, Esther Perel is coming to the table. She's going to be at the red table. Would you say she has been instrumental in you and I redefining our relationship? I would say, don't just start filming me without asking me. Oh my goodness! If you could film Astaire, me, Esther, come help us again, please. I'm still dealing with foolishness. Don't. No, no, she, yeah, because she, don't just. Would you say that she helped us heal the hurts that we caused between one another? My social media presence is my bread and butter, okay? So you can't just use me for social media and not, you know, don't just start rolling. I'm standing in my house. Don't just start rolling. Please watch a stare at the red table because she's helped us a lot. Can't you tell? But then you see that ain't your friend. Thank you, God, for showing my enemy. The ones that were feeling me. The ones that I could see. I could see. Thank you, God, for showing me my enemies. The ones that were feeling me. The ones that were feeling me. Because of foreign wars we wage has more to do with the colors blue and red Too many laws and too much government Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread So many people trying to cross the border and Politicians build a new world order Too many minds are convinced they should be Gotta be free the way God made men, and I won't be ruled by the damn you went. Taking your right to self-defense, they say you're safer, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn into guns. All the unions always ask for more. Is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay. I've gotta be free the way God made men, and I won't be ruled by the damn you wet.
T-A-P-P-I-N-G-T-O-T-N-U-N. Hello and welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever-so-humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tapp, coming to you from historic, lovely, beautiful, scenic Roan County, Tennessee. Uh, just a... Just a short, short trip away from Knoxville, in case you're not familiar with the area too much. But hey, uh, all that doesn't matter. It is a fantastic day here in East Tennessee, and I hope uh, most of you had a chance to get out and enjoy it. Have it on good authority that a lot of the nation saw a pretty nice day today. Uh, that good authority being Ron Edwards, uh, whom I was on air with on his show, The Ron Edwards American Experience, earlier today. And uh, he kind of started off uh, trying to think of a few good things to talk about. And I got to tell you, uh, that's no small feat if you happen to be conservative right now and you're looking at the world of the body politic. Uh, just not a whole lot of good things to talk about. Uh, you probably noticed by now I'm adding uh, additional clips from the last few days to kick off the broadcast. And usually they have some level of meaning. And in this case, we had uh, Pete Buttigieg on The Breakfast Club, uh, getting, getting lectured to by Charlemagne the God. And, uh, you know, he just basically says, hey, you know, uh, black folks pretty much don't think Democrats are keeping the promises. And, and Pete's like, really? And, you know, you just can't fake that. He was surprised. Uh, well, worth, uh, <laughs> well worth paying attention to because, you know, Pete's trying really hard, guys. So, you know, maybe it's, Joe Biden, you should ask that question, too. Uh, maybe you circle back Saki. You know, one of those folks. Ask them, Charlemagne. Ask them why it is that uh, black folks are starting to feel like uh, Democrats aren't keeping the promises and see what kind of answers you get there. Because at the very least, for those of you that uh, listened to the entire interview, uh, I think Pete actually acquitted himself uh, fairly well and even made a legitimate uh, defense of why our system of government is better than the full-blown authoritarian uh, centralized government. But uh, it was in context to the current discussion that's ongoing between certain elements within positions of power around the world in regards to uh, how do you get things done. And uh, Pete wants to prove that you can do it with our style of government, so I'm at least going to give him that. You know, I, I do try to give some kudos when they're earned, even from the folks on the left. When they say something that's right, whether they believe it or not, we say, okay, you said something that's right. Now let's see you act on it. And uh, Pete did everything to, to make it look as if he does believe in our system of government. I guess he presumes that in most others, he would never have had an opportunity to rise to the position that he has. But uh, self-interest aside, he still said the right thing. So uh, we'll give him a, a minor hat tip on that one. So good job, Pete. Uh, he also went on to, also to say silly things about how uh, transportation has been used to be racist in the past. Because, you know, being from the wrong side of the tracks... It's just a figure of speech now, but once upon a time, you knew what it meant. Anyway, uh, so much for Pete. He, he's <laughs> he's Pete. What are you going to say? He was also talking about how, when he was visiting The View this past week, how this Florida parental rights in education law was going to kill trans kids. 
Uh, no, no, Pete, it's not. Don't just say it because the hubby said it. Uh, speak truth, Pete, speak truth. I know that's something they don't want to hear when they're on The View, but still, speak truth. It's not going to kill anybody. All right, and then that uh, second bit of the clip is a resurfaced video from a while back of Jada Pickett-Smith uh, having just decided to start recording Will, trying to get him to help her cut a promo for an upcoming guest on her little show. <laughs> Isn't it funny, me calling somebody else's show little? <laughs> That's pretty rich. But anyway, uh, <laughs> and Will was like, uh, don't, don't be doing this without asking me first. Don't just walk up on me. And I think part of the reason we're seeing this resurface is because it does kind of show Will uh, stuck in that, uh, I don't want to do this. Maybe you should have at least asked me first. Maybe I don't want to air our business on your show. Maybe, maybe this is something that we should have discussed first. Except he kind of, kind of gets punished for trying to stand up for himself. But he has such a defeated look in the video. Just this look of, I'm going to pay for this later. This look of, I am so whipped. And, of course, this is something that's out there again because now people are scrutinizing how happy this marriage between the two of them could actually be and questioning, of course, uh, how much we see from uh, Will and Jada and this supposedly open relationship that they have and all this other stuff that's only been exacerbated by the admitted lover that Jada took, which started out as just a, a friend of their son's, I believe it was, who was a musician and uh, trying to, to make some moves. And, you know, they were supposed to be trying to help him out, and she just she just took such a, a motherly role. Like, makes me afraid to find out what her idea of uh, parental rights would be either. But at any rate... He came out with a book, and uh, he's making statements, and that made it worse. And so this has resurfaced, and it just goes to show that there's been some underlying issues for a long time. And you know, I think Will rightfully thought that uh, their business with this uh, therapist was exactly that, their business, and that Jada shouldn't be talking about it, and she shouldn't expect him to be talking about it. Uh, so we have this. And then, of course, uh, closed it out on Jesse Smollett's brand-new single. Uh, evidently, he released a rap album where they did all the singing where he's thanking God. Uh, and yeah, We briefly mentioned this on Ron's show earlier, uh, and I think Ron is absolutely right when he questions exactly what God is it that you're thanking. Because the uh, God of Abraham is not going to be real happy that here you are, not even done with your court cases. Okay, You've been released... While you await your appeal, after having been convicted on all these charges, including having gotten away with uh, practically just walking off without paying any real price at all in the beginning. So, Jesse, you might want to just narrow it down, okay? Uh, to tone it down. Narrow it down. You might want to tone it down. might want to be a little more low-key. Somebody somewhere is telling this guy to strike while the iron's hot. And, you know, while there's still three people in America that wants to take his word for it, himself and two of his siblings, uh, <laughs> they uh, really need to try to make something happen. And they want to try and convince people of whatever. Please. 
just just too much, guys. Too much. Now, uh, taking a look at uh, the real action here, uh, and speaking of too much, Joe Biden is uh, about to make some more headlines, and you know, hopefully, he'll do it without too many flubs. Although I would be okay if he completely gummed this one up, because it would appear that barely there, Beijing Biden is pretty much set to announce a whole new level of crackdowns on gun rights uh, in the upcoming week. One of the most extreme far-left anti-gun activists are expected to attend the event as well, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But uh, quoting here from an Associated Press report, the Biden administration will come out with its long-awaited ghost gun rules aimed at reining in privately made firearms without serial numbers that are increasingly cropping up at crime scenes. Okay, now, again, I remind you that that is quoted from the Associated Press. I would like to see the statistics on that because, again, what is being referred to by, ooh, creepy uh, ghost guns, ghost guns, is actually normally replicas of historical firearms for the most part. There are some exemptions and exceptions to that, of course, but that's typically what we're looking at. So when you hear them talk about ghost guns, ooh, ghost guns, when you hear them talking about ghost guns, understand that that's typically what they mean. There's a lot of effort being put into building these things and putting them together. Normally, it's somebody who has a love of firearms, a knowledge of firearms, and a love of history. Because, again, typically historical firearms, this isn't the kind of thing that you just, okay, I'm going to put together a whole bunch of these in my basement, and then I'm going to go out committing crimes. That's not what we're really talking about when they say ghost guns. Okay, I'm not going to hit the sound effect this time. Now, uh, also in the report, the White House has also been Wayne naming Steve Dattelbach former U.S. attorney from Ohio, to run the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, a.k.a. the ATF. And uh, that far-left activist we were talking about, a guy who's literally famous just for having been at a school where a shooting happened. We're talking about David wants to be boss, Hogg. So David Hogg tweeted this past Saturday that he would be in attendance for the event, writing, quote, I will be at the White House on Monday for an announcement from the President of the United States on what actions are being taken to reduce gun violence. In this tweet, he also added, uh, quoting once again, Many in the movement, including myself, have been working on this for months, looking to finally see the results. Well, you must be so proud, David. Uh, when it comes down to it, you're trying to restrict one of the least dangerous aspects of uh, firearm ownership, allowing people to build their own. If somebody really wants to build a firearm, as long as they have access to the Internet and access to the basic materials, they're going to be able to do it. Now, I would still highly recommend you know, utilizing, I don't know, maybe a genuine gunsmith, uh, a, a qualified gunsmith, somebody with a long track record and a track record of being successful. Uh, 
just because, you know, it means they have the kind of knowledge to keep your uh, would-be firearm from becoming a highly dangerous, uh, exploding piece of shrapnel in your hand, which is entirely possible if you don't know what you're doing. And sadly, there's a lot of people out there claiming to be gunsmiths who probably know less than I do about putting together a firearm. I get to see some of the articles because I happen to work alongside, during the day job, an actual, honest-to-goodness, quality gunsmith. Anyway, the Biden administration released its proposed rule this past uh, May, you know, about a year ago, which, quote, would modernize the definition of frame or receiver and help close a regulatory loophole associated with the unserialized, privately made firearms that the administration claims are increasingly being recovered at crime scenes across the country. Now, again, it's important to note that the administration is making that claim. Currently, the administration is also claiming that gender-affirming care is actually a settled uh, idea within the uh, realm of psychology and within the realm of medical science, which, a.k.a. Operation P-Pads and Knee-Pads, are completely making that up out of whole cloth. It's just coming from nowhere. I don't understand how they get away with just making this stuff up, but they've been doing it for so long, I don't know that anybody is surprised anymore. I don't know that anybody is even bothered by this. But the administration claims that the rule would take on ghost guns in three different ways. Uh, one of them, to help keep guns from being sold to convicted felons and other prohibited purchasers. The rule would make it clear that retailers must run background checks before selling kits that contain the parts necessary for someone to readily make a gun at home. Another way it's supposed to help uh, is to... Uh, to help law enforcement trace guns used in a crime, the rule would require that manufacturers include a serial number on the firearm frame or receiver in easy-to-build firearm kits. And the third way it's supposed to help is to help reduce the number of ghost guns on our streets. The rule would set out requirements for federally licensed firearm dealers to have a serial number added to 3D-printed guns or other unserialized firearms they take into inventory. Now, here's the thing. Most people that are going to take the time to build a ghost gun, it's, that's their term, but so we'll use it, they're not going to mind if serial numbers are actually etched or imparted somewhere on it. It's not going to change anything. The fact that they're supposed to be untraceable is irrelevant because here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. When it comes down to it, if a firearm is used in a crime, if you're trying to utilize a serial number, that serial number better be somewhere where it's extremely difficult to file off because it is still way easier to illegally buy a firearm if you happen to be a criminal and file off the serial numbers where you know them to be located. Way easier than to actually build a ghost gun. And this increase in the appearance of ghost guns at crime scenes is having way more to do with the fact that some people who had ghost guns 
and I hate even calling them that because in most of these cases, as I've said over and over again at this point, we're talking about replica firearms that are for a private collector. They've said, simply had their collection stolen and happen to be in the hands of a criminal. They're not using the spooky guns uh, for the crimes they're committing. They actually committed a crime to acquire some of them. And this was in a very limited uh, situation. But you know the left. Well, there was a slight uptick. We found three in possession of this one criminal. That's more than usual. There is an increase. And that's what they're going to run with. No context, no reason for you to know any better. It's a slippery slope argument all over again. That's what this is. It's an attempt to find new ways to get their governmental regulation hooks into trying to to abridge the right to bear firearms. Quoting here from Attorney General Meritless Garland, quote, We are committed to taking common sense steps to address the epidemic of gun violence that takes the lives of too many people in our communities. Criminals and others barred from owning a gun should not be able to exploit a loophole to evade background checks and to escape detection by law enforcement. This proposed rule would help keep guns out of the wrong hands and make it easier for law enforcement to trace guns used to commit violent crimes while protecting the rights of law-abiding Americans. Although this rulemaking will solve only one aspect of the problem, we have an obligation to do our part to keep our families and neighborhoods safe from gun violence. So yes, meritless Garland, how about you do your part? And as current attorney general, that makes you the number one law enforcement guy in the country, right? How about you just simply follow the Constitution and the current laws that exist to deal with violent crime? How about you start insisting that local DAs uh, follow the law as it is instead of picking and choosing which cases they're going to uh, pursue? How about we start treating criminals like they're the criminals instead of the law-abiding citizens like they are? How about we start looking for common-sense solutions to long-term problems that actually fall into the category of common-sense solutions, of which anything to try and deal with these replica kits really isn't common sense because there's no solution you're going to put on the field that's going to change the amount of violence being perpetrated by criminals with guns. Whatever you want to do, put a serial number on there or don't. It's not going to bother the majority of law-abiding citizens because most of the law-abiding citizens who make up the majority of the spooky guns in the first place, if you purchase them, own them, build them, put them together, then you're probably doing it because you want something to look at and you're not planning on firing them. The one thing that may happen is if one of these folks may be uh, law-abiding but a little less than 100% authentic in how they tell the story of the firearm that they're putting on display. So a serial number might prevent them from elaborating and exaggerating uh, the story of what this firearm is and where it's from, but that's really about the only change you're going to make here. 
Except, for, of course, there's one more step closer to trying keeping law-abiding citizens from having firearms of their own, which is pretty clear, pretty obvious, pretty well known at this point in time. The number one best way to reduce the amount of violent crime perpetrated on the average law-abiding citizen is to arm them. Let them have firearms. Let them be prepared and capable of defending themselves because they're going to be able to respond much, much quicker than any member of law enforcement. And it's going to make most criminals think twice about even trying it. There's a reason why whenever you look at the stats, even even now in the modern age when you've had a chance to try and manipulate the data, when you look at locations with the highest gun ownership per capita and compare it against the locations around the world, anywhere around the world where there is the lowest gun ownership per capita, you see clearly that it's much safer in the neighborhoods where there are more guns rather than fewer guns. Because the problem is when there's fewer guns, then it's typically only the criminals that have them. I, and I, I, how many times do we have to point this out? How many times do we have to say it? How many times until some leftist somewhere clues in on it? Because it's an obvious fact. I mean, I get it. If you're not thinking about it, if you're not looking around, if you're only living in your neighborhood where it's 100 uh, percent blue run and operated. And so naturally, you'd never think about having a gun because only criminals have guns. And guns are scary. They make loud noises. Going to the shooting range might give me PTSD. Uh, yeah. OK, just fine. You probably don't. You probably shouldn't have. You don't have any business having a firearm if that's the category you fit in. But you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. And if you want to put yourself at a disadvantage, by all means, feel free. It's the same as if you are rich and you want to pay more taxes. Then you go right ahead. But stop trying to tell me that I need to do the same thing. Stop trying to change the law to put me at that same disadvantage. Because I don't want to be there. I want to be able to have my firearm not just handy, but on me and have it available as necessary. You're never going to know I have it unless you're the one trying to perpetrate a crime, as it should be. That's the case it should be with all law-abiding citizens. But you know what? The days of the Wild West where the guns were on the holsters and everybody knew who was packing and who wasn't, fair enough. But you know what? There was still a fair number of people that they kept their little guns hidden. And they only pulled them out when they needed them. Or when they were really drunk and doing bad things. But that's the Wild West. And mostly that only happened in movies. So anyway, as I digress, just watch for David Hogg to try and steal a spotlight. I mean, any excuse to get on Twitter and any excuse to go to the White House. And my goodness, could this administration do any more virtue signaling in an effort to actually do more harm to this country? It is ridiculous. Walt Hollyer has been on this show multiple times. And I'm going to go back into the archives and I'm going to to get some of those interviews and discussions that I had with him because those conversations were good. And I'm going to replay some of them on the air in some upcoming broadcasts. And I need to, to check and reach out and see if Walt's still available, if, if we can get him back on. Um, it's been forever since I've been over to his website. I really need to go check it out. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know what his current health is. I don't know anything because, like I said, I haven't been checking up, but I need to do that.
because we need an authoritative voice to come on here and speak some sense about this. I mean, I can tell you things that you clearly know to be true. But just because I say it, it doesn't have the same weight. It doesn't have the same authority as someone who's lived it. So I'm going to do these things in upcoming. But in the meanwhile, just watch for it. Here it comes on Monday. Now, for those of you that are listening to the rebroadcast, and some of you won't listen to the podcast until Monday or later, you may already know because this has probably already happened by then. And I may very well be going down a completely different rant about this. But you got three different things going on here. Most of it's virtue signaling. Most of it is still trying to pass along misinformation because they're getting really good at that and still trying to blame people like me, saying I'm the one with the the disinformation and the misinformation. But they've admitted. They've admitted so many things in the last couple of weeks that they, they knew were not the case, but they said it because they were trying to accomplish a certain goal. Uh, There are laws against the majority of what has been admitted to in the last couple of weeks, especially our intelligence agencies intentionally lying about, oh, let's say, things like the Hunter Biden laptop or the Steele dossier. There are laws against them intentionally lying to the American public like that. There are laws against them Uh, engaging in propaganda exercises against the American people. So the $10 million question here is, will any of these people face legal consequences? And I don't mean fines or civil lawsuits. I mean actual honest-to-goodness. We're going to have to send you to jail for a little bit, guys. Or we're going to convict you, and this is just going to be on your record. We're not going to actually make you go to jail. We're going to suspend your sentence. But you're not going to be able to just sponge this from your record. It's, it's going to stay. At this point, I would almost be ecstatic at that if that's all we got because that's so much more than we can reasonably expect, right? I mean, sure, we could reasonably expect it, but based on what we typically get, Can you really, especially given Meritless Garland uh, being the AG with barely there Beijing Biden setting at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, uh, at least Monday through Friday or Monday through Thursday late before he goes back to Delaware? Can we expect it? Can we count on it? Is Is there even a chance? I don't know, but what I do know is it is about the halfway point of this first uh, hour, so let's go ahead and take a break. And uh, when we get back, well, we'll go on to the next topic. Stay right where you're at, boys and girls. I'll be uh, back real soon. <laughs> I'm Ron Edwards, host of the Edwards Notebook, and you're listening to Tim Tapp and Tap Into the Truth.
In recent years, many leftist black Americans have complained to the high heavens about bigotry in America. But have you ever heard of the brown paper bag test and who promotes it to this day? Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. In 20th century America, the brown paper bag test was used to deny black people access to positions of upward mobility if their skin tone was darker than a paper bag. There are horrible stories of black fraternities, sororities, professional organizations, and churches using paper bag tests to determine membership. While the idea of brown paper bag testing was first utilized during the slave era, the long discriminatory tradition of colorism that explicitly privileged light-skinned blacks over darker ones continued by black Americans well into the 20th century and is still practiced by some blacks today who lean toward the leftist Democrat Party, which is understandable because the Democrat Party is the party of slavery, Jim Crow, lynchings, and discrimination. Of course, also the brown paper bag test. This is a perfect example of what Jesus meant when he stated, instead of focusing on the splinter in your neighbor's eye, you should first take the beam out of your own. In other words, who may apply to, the discrimination you should be concerned about could be your very own. I'm Ron Edwards. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Things that you say on the world stage keep getting walked back. What's getting walked back? It made it sound like, just in the last couple days, uh, it sounded like you told U.S. troops they were going to Ukraine It sounded like you said it was possible the U.S. would use a chemical weapon, and it sounded like you were calling for regime change in Russia. And we know... None of the three occurred. None of the three occurred? None of the three. With the Ukrainian people, Ukrainian people have a lot of backbone. They have a lot of guts, and I'm sure you're observing it. And I don't mean just the military, which is we've been trained in since back when uh, Russia moved into... Uh, in, in the southeast, southeast um, Ukraine, but also the average citizen. Look at how they're stepping up. Look at how they're stepping up. And you're going to see when you're there, some of you have been there. And we know none of the three occurred. Weapons. Could, if chemical weapons were used in Ukraine, would that trigger a military spo- response from NATO? It would, re- it would trigger a response in kind. And we know none of the three occurred. For God's sake, this man cannot remain power. And we know none of the three occurred. My name's Joe Biden. My name's Joe Biden. I'm Joe Biden's husband. I keep forgetting I'm president. I can forget that you've been installed as the head of the regime. Sheesh. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Thank you for staying with me through that very brief break where none of the three occurred and continue to not have occurred uh, despite me bringing the receipts as the uh, the kids like to say these days. All right. Now, as we were talking about, this new effort for gun control coming from the Biden administration that we're going to see uh, – Probably uh, late afternoon uh, on Monday, I would imagine, would be the time. It's about control. And we've been dealing with these folks trying to maintain and manage control while they manage the decline of the republic. 
they do this in a wonderfully Cloward and Piven style, trying to to just dissolve our southern border, and we're going to see that. I mean, I do appreciate the fact that we have seen some Democrats crossing the aisle hoping to try to put more pressure on Biden, uh, along with several Republicans, to, to reconsider the ending of Title 42. Uh, just the only real tool we have left that allows our Border Patrol agents to quickly send folks back across the border uh, who shouldn't be here. Now, the left can whine and cry and mule about it all they want to. And it still doesn't change the fact that these people have no legal right to be here. You want to be hospitable to people who are in a bad situation. Well, let's take care of the people who already live here who's in a bad situation first, shall we? Let's make things more tolerable. Let's get back to being that shining city on a hill Instead of the cesspool, third third world cities that you guys keep building, you bunch of leftist weirdos. I mean, come on. See, there, you got me doing name calling. Talking about the Title 42, that brings up the topic of COVID-19 and talking about uh, political control and activist and yes men, that brings up uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the second greatest doctor of all time, uh, right behind Dr. Joe Biden, of course. Uh, Fauci, again, manages to get his way onto uh, quasi-news shows. Uh, this time, Sunday, uh, he was talking about how Americans should still be considering taking precautions, especially with regard to large events, as COVID-19 cases were once again on the rise. Now, Fauci, of course, joined uh, Jonathan Carl on ABC's This Week to talk about the, the recent uptick in cases and, well, as uh, the alarming number of people who have tested positive for the virus in President Joe Biden's inner circle, raising, of course, the questions about the protocols in place to protect him. Uh, do you really think they're trying to protect Biden at this point? I mean, there has got to be a concerted effort to try to take Biden out, but make it look totally uh, out of their hands. I mean, the fact that Nancy Mimi Pelosi could test positive for it and she's not on full down lockdown alert uh, tells you how serious the current subvariants, you know, often being referred to as stealth COVID, how serious this subvariant is. The two subvariants of our Omicron variant are so mild, so minor, that you can have them, and the likelihood of you even knowing that you have are so slim, even for people that fall into some of these protected groups, uh, people that fall into these groups that should be of concern. Uh, I mean, you've got to have a laundry list of the comorbidities before you really have to be concerned about these new subvariants. Now, and that's something to celebrate, but uh, no, not for these folks, because they want to maintain control. They want to have something still left in their back pocket. They want you to have planted in the back of your mind, well, it's okay now. And that's what we're going to use as an excuse to open up the borders again and let people just come flying through and give them free smartphones and act like they can't go to the nearest 
uh, phone retailer and change out the SIM cards, and then they've just got a free phone that you have no way of tracking or knowing anything about. Yeah, we're going to pretend like that's not a thing. You know, put in a new SIM card, sign up for the service. I mean, they've, they can afford a monthly service. This is these phones that cost more than my laptop. Uh, they can get a little pricey. You're just going to give these things away on the taxpayer dime. You're assigning a number. You're saying, okay, this is it. We're creating biometric information with their voice so that we'll know it's them answering. But what are you going to do when that number just doesn't match up with any phone that you're calling? Or that number, because it was no longer in use because they changed their service when they changed out the SIM card and got a new number, what are you going to do when that number's been passed on to somebody else who's a, a grandma from Peoria? I mean, what are they? They're going to do nothing, which is their plan anyway. This is all just a way to waste taxpayer dollars and virtue signal about how compassionate and caring they are. When in truth, if they were really compassionate about these people, they'd be doing things that would discourage the human trafficking that results from these open border policies. Not try to encourage them further. Hey, life's going to be great. You can come here and just live off of uh, our social programs, and you'll be so much better off than you would even if you just came here and worked for a living, which a lot of them are prepared to do initially because working's what they know. It's what they've had to do. Unlike several of these politicians, actually. Anyway, they want to keep this in their back pocket because they know at some point, uh, if they find some way to manage enough shenanigans that they maintain control in the midterms and then somehow manage to find somebody that uh, is a little less venal than the current venal house plant, barely there, Beijing Biden, uh, if, if they can manage to, to put somebody back in the White House, they're going to want to be able to throw out control again. So good luck with that. So our good friend was on the Sunday circuit, and he was out there being the second greatest doctor of all time. At any rate, Carl began by saying, let me ask you about the spike we've seen right here in Washington. Now, of course, that's what's most important to the swamp dwellers. There has been a couple of super spreader events because they got together. And uh, when it comes to sick, twisted freaks, uh, these folks are leading that parade. They are sick. They're twisted. And, of course, they're going to be the ones that are still carrying the COVID. In fact, they probably have uh, owed to COVID uh, from Chanel, <laughs> and they probably spray it. every. These people are just – anyway – starts out by asking, let me ask you about the spike that we've seen right here in Washington. Noting that both he and Fauci had been at a recent uh, gridiron deal, a dinner, after which 67 or so of the 600 attendees, making it just a smidge over 10%, had tested positive for COVID-19. No mention of the variant, just that they had tested positive. Carl noted that no one who had attended the dinner and then tested positive had been reported to be seriously ill, but the concern was that case numbers would continue to rise. And again, I'm going to take a moment to remind everyone that case numbers are irrelevant. It's how many hospitalizations because of it, not being hospitalized with it, but being hospitalized because of it. That's an important number. How many deaths? 
That's an important number. Again, because of it, not with it. I'm sorry. If I die in a plane crash, but I happen to have COVID, that shouldn't count as a COVID death. We had to argue about that when Trump was still in the White House. We don't seem to have to argue about that anymore because now all of a sudden the CDC seems to believe that that's a reasonable assessment. My, how things change when they have somebody they like that's getting blamed for the situation. Hmm. Imagine that. Anyway. Carl asked, what is the lesson here? Should we not be holding events like this? Or to the point we just talked about, is it time to accept that we can have an event like this, but there's going to be a risk? Some people will test positive. If everybody's vaccinated, you know, it won't necessarily be that serious because it's not the new variants of COVID that are less serious. It's only because you're vaccinated. Take the jab, boys and girls. See, even in this framing of the situation, they want to make sure that you need to jump through the hoops that the government puts out for you. Now, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the second greatest doctor of all time, just immediately behind Dr. Jill Biden, uh, replied that people certainly need to be aware of the risk, but that they need to assess that... uh, that uh, and they need to assess that and to make decisions for themselves based on that information. Now, I would like to remind a lot of folks that that's not the first time you've heard it. It's just previously you've heard that from people like me, uh, people with a more conservative bent who've gotten behind a microphone or gotten in front of a camera somewhere and tried to reach out directly to you. And all of us that fit into that category at the time we were saying it were then banned from social media platforms, were demonetized in the places we might have been monetized, and were called purveyors of misinformation. We were called dangerous. We were called anti-vaxxers. We were called a lot of other things too, but most of which I can't repeat on something that's going to be uh, aired on the uh, the open airwaves, and this show is rebroadcast on terrestrial radio. So I'll move on. Anyway, so Fauci said something that sounds like common sense for a minute. Then he also argued that the people in charge of planning large events like the gridiron dinner should consider the impact as well as current trends and CDC guidelines when they did so, which I'm pretty sure under the current CDC guidelines, uh, they did pretty much follow what's going on. But anyway, I digress. Fauci then went on to note that there were plenty of events where proof of vaccination and proof of a negative test were required, suggesting that this was a a viable option moving forward as well, Uh, except it's not really, Anthony. We're, We're not going to keep jumping through these hoops for you. Fauci continued by saying, quote, we don't want to poo-poo getting infected. I think people sometimes say, well, it's okay to get infected. No, it's not. I want you to think about that for a second. For somebody that was so concerned about herd immunity and kept raising the bar about herd immunity because he didn't want us thinking that this could eventually evolve itself into a relatively harmless virus that just keeps reoccurring, that just keeps being like the common cold, which also happens to be a member of the coronavirus family, I might remind you, you know, just in case you need reminding, which most of us don't, but 
just in case there's a leftist accidentally listening, hadn't been able to figure out how to, to get to something else to listen to, and uh, maybe they just need to know that. But it is okay to get infected if you're going to be dealing with one of these variants that aren't particularly dangerous, especially if you're relatively young, if you're mostly healthy, if you don't have these comorbidities that would exacerbate the situation where the COVID can trigger a collapse of your other systems, whereas just about anything else you might have caught, the flu, a bad cold, might have done the exact same thing. Well, if you don't fall into one of those categories, then not only is it okay, but that's still going to give you the best possible immuno response. That's how true herd immunity is accomplished. Enough people get it that it's you're just not going to be affected anymore. So he doesn't want to poo-poo getting infected. No, no, he doesn't want to make it seem like it's okay. Although I always kind of thought that if you were trying to poo-poo on something that, uh, well, you didn't like it. So he doesn't want to poo-poo getting infected. It sounds like he does want to poo-poo the idea of you just going and getting infected. Because he seems to think it's not okay for you to get infected. But he also said that while people should be able to assess their own risk level, they should not consider getting infected to be an acceptable risk because of issues like the potential for long COVID or for significant illness, even if that illness did not require hospitalization. Saying, quote, they may be at home, they may require a doctor consultation, but they don't get hospitalized. That's not something to poo-poo. You know what else isn't something to poo-poo? It's something that most of the mainstream legacy media doesn't want to tell you, including a relatively large number of uh, conservative outlets. And that is that with each passing day, we're seeing more and more people getting the truth out about the, the jab-related injuries. Those numbers were hidden. Those numbers were underreported. And those numbers have been, you know, just kind of swept under a rug somewhere because they didn't want you to know the real risk. Because the real risk here with the jab is the fact that this was an experimental treatment at best. At best. See, the very best scenario here is this isn't what all those folks on YouTube are talking about as far as it changing your DNA and, and or doing the recombinant thing. And, you know, even if you don't want to buy into that, if you believe yourself to be a more reasonable person in the room and you want to just ignore everything those folks have to say, then at best this is still an experimental therapeutic that there was not enough long-term research done. There's a reason why vaccines typically take years to develop, and it has nothing to do with the actual development time, although sometimes it does. But typically before you can get one out the door, you have got to test it and test it and make sure how safe it is. We didn't get that with this. All we got was, well, we had a small test group, and, uh, you know, we're going to tell you it's safe. Take our word for it. 
which is exactly how this got emer emergency use authorization. Take our word for it. Okay. Why? Because Donald Trump wanted it really, really fast, so he cut all the red tape, and these people stood to make millions, if not billions of dollars, getting taxpayer funds sent to them, and they were going to be protected from any type of uh, civil liability. The government issued that as well. And as much as I hate that I have to point the finger at Donald John Trump on that one, he is the one who made that happen. And he still has a lot of faith, a lot of belief in the jab. And that's because he wants to believe. And that's because he puts way too much faith in those credentials than in uh, people actually doing the right thing. And unfortunately, we have seen that science in the modern age is bought and paid for. Results will be the results whoever wants it, uh, whoever pays for it wants. That, that's where we end up at now. So I still think Donald believes them, and he's not intentionally giving you bad advice out there. But uh, I seem to recall the folks that are pushing the jab so very hard now, and you barely hear them talk about it anymore, by the way. They moved on to other therapeutics, but they'll still remind you. They're out there, and you should be getting your fourth or fifth booster by now. Uh, the, these people are the same folks that during the campaign, before they found a way to be installed into office— uh, they were the ones saying that uh, if Donald Trump stayed president, then um, no, no, you, you shouldn't trust it. When the truth of the matter is, if you're going to trust science, you should do exactly that. Trust science. And science says it's not safe to rush something like these injectable therapeutics into your body until you've had years of actual testing. Because you simply don't know what the results are going to be. And the fact that we are getting more and more reports of these long-term injuries, that they are now officially outpacing what the worst of COVID seems to have done. Another fact that you're just not going to hear very many places. And it is a fact. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not making it up. I dare you to go do the research yourself. But the fact that we're getting there still tells us something, doesn't it? So with that being said, it's going to have to be the end of the first hour. For those of you that are listening on Terrestrial Radio, that'll be it for today. Please join me tomorrow for what amounts to hour number two of tonight's broadcast. i also like to remind you that if you listen on Terrestrial Radio, there is usually one hour a week that you're not getting to hear, because I do three two-hour shows through the week right now. may be adding more again soon, depending on what happens with a couple of places that may be uh, adding the show. Uh, hope to have some announcements about that soon. But uh, that being the case, I'm going to have to say goodbye to you for now. So for those of you that are listening to the podcast or if you're listening to the show live, don't go anywhere. Hour number two will start right after this. But for those that I must say goodbye to, I'll remind you to go check out uh, the pre-order page for The Woking Dead, A.J. Rice's brand new book. I'll remind you that you can go on uh, to various social media networks and you can uh, share a link to this broadcast and to any of your favorite Tap Into the Truth broadcast, just be sure to tag me in it, mention uh, the Woking Dead book, and mention what platform you're listening on. Uh, and I'll be keeping an eye out for all that. Uh, and then in August, early August, we'll have the drawing, and we will give out a free copy 
well, I have several copies actually, but a free copy of A.J. Rice's brand new book, The Walking Dead, uh, due out at the end of July. In the meanwhile, you know, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Stay safe if you can. Crime's getting bad. Stay healthy if you can. Uh, these guys have got you uh, really all in circles. And be smart, even if it goes against your nature. Uh, one last thing to say before I go, uh, specifically directed at barely there Beijing Biden. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, let's go. state plan taught to praise the little man told that union saved the working class he was raised a red state son to love the flag and own a gun warned about the greed within the mass they met beneath the moonlit sky a college party drunk and high and when they had degrees they said their vows he he couldn't say when, he couldn't say how, he couldn't say why, she was different in his eyes. They built careers and had a kid, tried to live like their parents did, but both their parties taxed them close to death. Learned to hate the public schools Watch TV making fools While trial lawyers looted what was left She, she couldn't say when She couldn't say how She couldn't say why He was different in her eyes Saw them years ago A happy little cabin in the west Homeschooled on their farm Making so much more from so much less They can say when, they can say how, and they can say why, they're different in your eyes. They're different in your eyes. They're different in your eyes. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. My name's Joe Biden. All of this, as more than half of Americans think President Biden will go down as one of the worst presidents in American history. 
keep forgetting I'm president. Thank you, Jen. First on immigration, our team in Texas is uh, saying that you guys are starting to give smartphones to border crossers, hoping that they'll use the phones to check in or uh, to be tracked. Uh, which part of that is supposed to deter people from crossing illegally into the states? Well, I, I think you of all people, since you've asked me a range of questions on this topic over time, would recognize that we need to take steps to ensure that we know where individuals are and we can track in, and we can check in with them. With the Biden administration ending Title 42 expulsions in May, Texas will be taking its own unprecedented actions. The, the first involves inspections. A zero-tolerance policy for unsafe vehicles for smuggling migrants across the border is being implemented immediately. Cartels use vehicles, many of them dangerous commercial trucks, to smuggle immigrants, deadly fentanyl, and other illegal cargo into Texas and onto our roadways. Effective immediately, the Texas Department of Public Safety will conduct enhanced safety inspections of vehicles as they cross the international points of entry into Texas. Now, I know in advance this is going to dramatically slow traffic from Mexico into Texas. It is a byproduct of cartels crossing the border from Mexico into Texas. Second, to help local officials whose communities are being overwhelmed by hordes of illegal immigrants who are being dropped off by the Biden administration, Texas is providing charter buses to send these illegal immigrants who have been dropped off by the Biden administration to Washington, D.C. We are sending them to the United States Capitol where the Biden administration will be able to more immediately address the needs of the people that they are allowing to come across our border. First of all, when the gentlelady from Texas uh, refers to the uh, supposed concern and fear that she has about the Omicron variant coming in April, then on what basis is the CDC recommending that they end Title 42? <laughs> Right. If, if this is such a great concern, then why would the CDC say, oh, no, we don't need to use Title 42 to protect our Border Patrol agents, protect Americans, stem the tide of 8,000 people a day coming across our border? By the way, it's not just COVID, tuberculosis, flu, uh, all sorts of different communicable diseases. And so, oh, we've got this big fear coming in April, but oh, that's, no, we don't want to have Title 42. And my colleague from Texas mocked the focus by some of my colleagues on the need to have Title 42, as if it's not causing rampant flow across our border, little girls put in stash houses, getting raped, cartels making $100 million. And then the chairman scoffs. The chairman scoffs when I say little girl getting raped in a stash house. Has the chairman been to the border of Texas? Has the chairman been in the last year to the border of Texas and met with Border Patrol agents, gone down and talked to the people that are sitting there looking at what's actually happening in stash houses? Did the gentleman yield? I'll yield briefly. Yes. And what did you find? No stash houses? The chairman scoffed. Is the chairman saying there are no stash houses with no little girls getting raped in Texas? The gentleman will yield? I will. I am not saying there are no stash houses. 
I'm not saying little girls not being raped in Texas and in every other state in the union for that matter. Well, then reclaiming my time, when the chairman scoffs, when we talk about the, the damage being done to this country with cartels having complete operational control of our border, charging three to $5,000 a day to come across the border, and little girls getting put into the sex trafficking trade, I think that tells us a lot about where the priorities are of this committee. And I'm getting a little sick and tired of my colleagues on the other side of the aisle scoffing at Texans having to take the brunt of this. Ranchers losing their longtime family-held ranches. Fences getting cut, livestock getting out, people getting abused. And my other side of the aisle just doesn't give a whit about it as evidenced by the scoff of the Judiciary Committee chairman. It's absolutely mind-boggling. This is what the American people are absolutely sick and tired of. And we're sitting here debating an amendment because we want to say that the power of the federal government shouldn't be used to go after American citizens because they take a different view or they want to share information about their concern about an administration of a vaccine in their arm by a pharmaceutical company that is liability protected by government from any action by citizens to say, wait a minute, what might happen to me if I stick that in my arm? is in a crucial stage It's not because of foreign wars we wage It's more to do with the colors blue and red Too many laws and too much government Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread So many people try to cross the border and Politicians build a new world order Minds are convinced they should be led. I've got a big free the way God made men, and I won't be ruled by the damn new wet. Taking your right to self defense. They say you're safe, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn in the guns. Always ask for more. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay. I've gotta be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn new wet.
Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are, whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am indeed your ever-so-humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tapp, coming to you from historic Rome County, Tennessee, and so very glad to have each and every one of you here with me today. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, your time is valuable. I appreciate you choose to spend a little of it uh, listening to me ramble behind this microphone. And it doesn't matter to me if you're listening on terrestrial radio stations like KYAH 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority, or if you're listening on uh, Internet platforms like The Last Frequency, or if you're listening on Spotify or iHeartRadio or uh, Apple Podcast or uh, wherever you may be listening, thank you. Now, for those of you that are indeed listening to the rebroadcast on terrestrial radio, the time that I was live behind this microphone happened to be on the day of April 10th, 2022. It is Sunday, meaning that, uh, you know, it's probably been uh, a couple of days at the very least uh, since I was here with you. And, uh, you know, some of these things have changed. But I wanted to start out. Uh, this second hour of the live broadcast with a story that's not quite as serious, but still has some pretty serious undertonings if you take a close enough look at it. And that is the fact that evidently Elon Musk, at the very least at this point in time, appears to be at least somewhat serious about potentially turning Twitter's headquarters into a homeless shelter. Uh, <laughs> i got to say, I voted on this particular uh, a poll that uh, Elon put up, by the way. I have to say that at the time that I voted, uh, I joined the nearly 92% uh, of people that are voting, yes, you should do that. Uh, but anyway, the entrepreneur, South African-born American citizen Elon Musk, said over the course of this past weekend that he is seriously considering Twitter's headquarters uh, to be perfect as a homeless shelter because so many people work remotely. Musk first teased the idea in a Twitter poll asking, uh, convert Twitter, San Francisco headquarters, to homeless shelter since no one shows up anyway? With more than 100 and... Um, with more than 100, I'm sorry. With more than 1.5 million votes cast, and this article was written before I voted, uh, more than 91% of the responders responded yes. Musk later wrote about the idea, saying, quote, I'm serious about this one, by the way. So, if we're to take his word for it, and we know he really likes um, trolling the, uh, the more volatile members of the Twitterverse. So, how serious is he really? I don't know. But Musk's tweets come just a few days after it was revealed that he became Twitter's largest shareholder after he purchased about uh, uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 9.2% of the stake of the social media platform. Last month, Musk had said that he was given serious thought to launching a new social media platform that would be transparent with its algorithms and prioritize free speech and would keep propaganda to a minimum. We talked about that then. Evidently, he's decided that the platform already exists. He just has to try to reform it, and obviously that would be Twitter. It's either that or he's there to try and tank Twitter, and then he's going to go ahead and introduce his own social media platform anyway. We'll see which 
attack he takes. Uh, personally, I think he's still just trying to troll all the reactionary leftists there. Now, it is important to remember that Musk, who is the co-founder of Tesla and founder of SpaceX, well, he made the remarks in response to a tweet uh, that asked, quote, would you consider building a new social media platform? Uh, quote here, one that would consist an open source algorithm, one where free speech and adhering to free speech is given top priority, one where propaganda is very minimal. I think that kind of platform is needed. Musk responded saying, I'm giving serious thought to this. Musk conducted an informal poll late in March, which asked the question, free speech is essential to the functioning, I'm sorry, to a functioning democracy. Do you believe Twitter rigorously, English is my first language, I swear, uh, adheres to this principle? Now, of course, the answer is clearly no, and most Twitter users are aware of that. In fact, more than 2 million people responded to that poll with 70.4% saying that Twitter did not adhere to that principle. And it was a much higher percentage for a long time. Just some lefties found out about it and started trying to vote uh, what they knew to be a clear lie that managed to get it down to 70% before it closed. The consequences of this poll will be important, Musk continued, so please vote carefully. Musk followed that up with a poll uh, on Saturday, writing, given that Twitter serves as the de facto public town square, failing to adhere to free speech principles fundamentally undermines democracy. What should be done? Is a new platform needed? Uh, somebody responded to that by saying, buy Twitter. If you're a leftist making death threats against conservatives or organizing riots, Twitter respects your freedom of speech. Twitter also respects the freedom of speech for media hoaxes, like when every major outlet framed an innocent Covington high kid. Musk responded to that by saying that uh, that doesn't sound very balanced. And now we'll have to wait and see, is he serious about turning the headquarters into a homeless shelter. But you know what? I, I do think he has a pretty good, uh, pretty good idea there. I mean, if nobody's really using it, if everybody's working from home, well, what do you say? Elon also, by the way, was uh, trolling these folks by asking if Twitter needed to, uh, to change its name. He wanted to know if they needed to delete the W. I'm pretty sure that was just a joke, but we'll see. I mean, <laughs> like I said, I, I do think that a lot of this is still just trying to troll the overreactionary leftists. I mean, you saw the kind of reaction that people that claimed to work at Twitter had when they found out that he was going to be appointed to the board. Oh, no, I can't put up with this. Well, sayonara. If you feel the need to make a mass exodus, you know where the door is. Oh, by the way, most of you aren't aren't actually showing up at the headquarters anyway, so I guess we can direct deposit your final paycheck. 
I'm assuming they do direct deposits since they are techie and all that. Direct deposit really is uh, an awesome way to get a payroll check, by the way. Uh, otherwise, they'll be happy to, to mail you your last check if you're still getting a physical copy, I'm, I'm quite certain. Except, actually, most of the people that are running Twitter would not be happy that you left because they're already feeling outnumbered. I mean, really, Elon Musk has less than 10% of the company's outstanding stock. And they're already treating him like he's running the company. He's going to be appointed to the board. So he's going to have a loud voice, but he's still just going to be one of the members of the board. Now, I understand that a lot of folks out there don't understand how a board of directors and a CEO works when it comes to uh, big business. The bottom line is the board of directors all vote. The CEO lays out an agenda, lays out a vision, and depending on the structure of the company, some CEOs can, in fact, overrule the board of directors, but there's very few. Almost no businesses are actually designed that way. More often than not, it's the board of directors that actually get to decide the direction that a company is going to go in. They get to make the decisions for that future. The CEO has to make proposals and convince the board to go along with him. The board of directors is there. <sighs> Forget the stakeholder capitalism and the uh, FSG scores that uh, are being forced on to so many places, but the board of directors are supposed to be there to protect the uh, shareholders. They have a fiduciary responsibility. And, oh, by the way, the law hasn't changed yet. So as a stockholder, if you see a company that is doing something dumb for uh, the best of value for the, your shares, you can still sue the board of directors for failure to uh, – fulfill their fiduciary responsibility. You have legal operation. That's something that all the stockholders, all the shareholders of Disney should be uh, calling up and talking about right now. And not just Disney, but I'm thinking every major conglomerate that's out there that has taken a woke stance anytime in the last five years. You know, if you've got stock in Procter and Gamble, if you've got stock in uh, Disney, of course, if you've got stock in PepsiCo, you know, whoever you may have stock in, if they've done something uh, woke to the point that it's become divisive, then they are not fulfilling their fiduciary responsibility. This idea of stakeholder capitalism, it's a way to try and pretend like the stockholders shouldn't even be considered. In truth, there is no place for stakeholder capitalism because stakeholder capitalism isn't capitalism at all. It's another leftist misnomer. But I'll digress from that point, and we'll get back to the point about whether or not Elon Musk is going to have a major impact on Twitter. And at the end of the day, I think he's going to be a voice, but he's going to be a voice that's going to be really loud, but he's also still going to be in the minority. So when he votes, he's not going to be able to just automatically get his way. He's going to have to convince other stockholders. He's going to have to convince other board members to vote along with him. 
he's going to have to make a compelling case. Now, from a legal standpoint, the most compelling case he can make is fiduciary responsibilities. But it doesn't hurt when the people using the service vote so dramatically in such large numbers in the polls that he has. Those will make a strong case. It's like at the end of the day, if you run off all of these people, advertising dollars are going to disappear. And that is still how uh, you're making a good part of your money in this particular uh, business. Granted, selling personal information is still the bigger of the two money makers, but uh, advertising is a big one. Fewer users means less command of dollars, but at the end, how much is this really going to affect the outcome? Twitter is still going to be Twitter. It still continues to highlight how bad social media platforms have become in regards to how it treats people that utilize the platforms. It continues to exacerbate how there is a clear bias from the people that are in positions of authority and from the rank-and-file employees that work for this company. Because the same thing can be said over at Facebook. The same thing can be said at Google. The same thing can be said at YouTube, which is a division of Google. same thing can be said at almost all of the tech giants. So at the end of the day, unless you have a platform that is friendly to conservatives, or at the very least, non-biased for political uh, ideology, then you're not welcome as a conservative. You're not welcome as a uh, Christian. You're probably not even welcome as a white person, even if you're white but happen to fall into one of the intersectionality special uh, labels. Yeah, I'm white, but I'm uh, a transgendered bi-delineal uh, carrot. Okay, well, I, th there you go. Well, we'll allow you, but, you know, the, you just barely squeaked in. If you hadn't added that extra, uh, extra little part there at the end with that carrot, uh, you wouldn't have made the cut because, you know, you're still white and you're still evil. She guys. So what, what is it really indicative of? It's indicative of the fact that we need uh, places like Truth Social. We need places like Parler. We need places like Spreely and MeWe. We need places like CloudHub and, uh, you know, even Minds.com. Minds.com is a great place for multiple viewpoints if you haven't spent any time there. It's also why we need places like Rumble and, and BitChute and... Uh, I think Odyssey is fairly uh, okay with conservative content with another video sharing platform uh, similar to Rumble and, and BitChute. Uh, so what does it really come down to, though? It comes down to the fact that Elon Musk is really good at using their own tactics against him. He's using them. He's using their tactics to get under their skin and to help them to further reveal who they are. That's really all he's doing. That's all he has done. And he's put himself in a win-win situation because either uh, he sees a huge increase in the value of stock if he's able to facilitate a few changes here and there, 
and then he can either liquidate that stock and, you know, pay a little more in taxes compared to what he just did a little while ago uh, just to show a certain Pocahontas, a.k.a. Elizabeth Warren, uh, how your how your gains actually work, how capital gains work. You know, they talk about uh, unrealized gains compared to how they're realized. Of course, it's not like Elizabeth didn't already know. Elizabeth, like a lot of other people on the left, just want an excuse to charge more taxes. What do we see, though? Are we going to see something new? Is it going to be something uh, different? Are we going to see an uptick uh, on Truth Social? I think as soon as it's available for Android phones, uh, you're going to see the current numbers, which are already impressive on the Apple uh, line. You're going to see that uh, maybe as much as triple where the current numbers are. I don't have Apple products, so I, I'm not on Truth Social at the moment. But you're, you don't have to settle for staying on Facebook just because that's where it is. Because if that was going to be your case, why don't you go ahead and get back on MySpace? I mean, MySpace is still operational, by the way. You, you can still get on. It's nowhere near what it used to be. Mostly just like music sharing as much as anything. Which sometimes that's all you want. But, you know, MySpace is still up and operational. So, you know, if you just uh, really want to find a place to carve up and make it your own, maybe that's a good place to go. Uh, with the uh, Actually, a surprising number of people that are still active over there. I mean, it's not like where Facebook is. It's not like what Instagram is. It's certainly not like what TikTok is. But uh, there's still way more people than I would have thought. Not that any of that really matters. Like I said, for the most part, I just think it's Elon trolling. And that can be fun. Uh, I'm not a big fan of trolling behavior, but every now and then when you're just doing it to demonstrate who these people really are at their core, getting them to reveal themselves, then uh, it's worthwhile too. So again, kudos and uh, hat tip to Elon once again. But at the end of the day, it still continues to show that Twitter is probably not a place that you ought to be if you're not one of the specials. We are relatively close to the mid-hour break. So let's go ahead and take that break right now. And uh, on the other side, we'll get a little more serious. Uh, don't go anywhere. I'll be right back.
If you are non-binary or transgender, the one-time pro-American city of Palm Springs, California, is now forcing taxpayers to pay for what you are choosing to be. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. For the thousandth time, I am saying that no matter how low the leftists go, they always seem to find lower depths of depravity to drag our society. So-called educators across the United States are coercing children into believing that they may not be the sex that God created them to be. And they also have the nerve to want to work with leftist government officials to prevent parents from fulfilling their God-given mandate and right to fulfill their roles as fathers and mothers. Now, Palm Springs, California is going to award $900 a month to 20 residents for simply claiming to be transgender or non-binary. Bob Hope and Bing Crosby must be rolling over in their graves over the leftist lunacy now engulfing that city that they helped to develop as awful as the Palm Springs madness is. What's even more disturbing to me is that the leftists have for so long been allowed to drag our republic lower and lower toward the depths of hell. Sure, our side gets angry and complains, but up to now, the pushback against the depraved leftists has been minimal at best. Sometimes I wonder, do parents love their children and God more than they fear evildoers? I'm Ron Edwards. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Break it down in layman's terms. So... Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists next to another country called Russia. Russia is a bigger country. Russia is a powerful country. Russia decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine. So basically, that's wrong. Everything is awesome. It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to agree. Everything is awesome. We have the ability to see what can be, unburdened by what has been, and then to make the possible actually happen. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of the team. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. My name's Joe Biden. I keep forgetting I'm president. Rise and shine, sleepy Joe. Now's the time, don't you know, to get into a new kind of dream. You can rest your head. On the corner of your bed, you can watch the world go by. But you're never gonna see what the other people see if you're always gonna be a blind dog face pony soldier.
that's exactly where we're going with the Biden administration. We're going nowhere, but we're getting there in record time. Uh, the nowhere that we're talking about is the complete and total destruction of the American Republic. And that is where we are at. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Tap Into the Truth. I am your ever so humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you from Roan County, Tennessee. And I want to take this moment to remind you before we jump back into the program that food shortages are coming. Now, I'm not saying this to scare you, and I'm not saying this to try and make a quick buck, but I'm going to try to make a quick buck. <laughs> That's, but I'm really telling you uh, so that you can move now to be prepared. I'm not just saying this because I'm trying to panic you. I'm saying this because even... Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., a.k.a. barely there Beijing Biden, has come out and said it himself. And because this is where we're going to be. We are literally in the middle of a cascade effect in our supply chain. This, ca this cascading effect that's destroying our supply chain is going to make it far more difficult for us to get food in the near future. But it comes down to something as simple as a company not able to get enough employees to come in and do the work that's necessary. And then when equipment breaks down, the company that makes the replacement parts or builds the equipment that they might want to just completely replace, they're not getting enough employees to come in and get that work done. So then there aren't those replacement parts, and there aren't that replacement material. So then the companies that are trying to make do with fewer people are then having to try to make do with less ability to manufacture on top of that having to still pay for the elevated rates of pay for their employees that they are able to keep that they're trying to use money to motivate them having to pay for the elevated cost of shipping and also having to deal with the fact that half of what they need in order to manufacture simply isn't coming from other parts of the world where they've done the same thing so you're in the middle of a cascading effect. Now, we know that uh, Ukraine is one of the largest producers of wheat and corn in the world. We know that the United States used to be one of the largest producers and a net exporter of grains. We no longer are, have not been for a while. We know that fertilizer is not going to be as readily available. We know that most farms are uh, operating at reduced acreage. Because they can't get enough fertilizer to get enough product out there. We know there was roughly a 90-day 90 uh, 90 stockpile before this business in the Ukraine started. So we now know that we can reasonably expect uh, a noticeable change in our grocery stores somewhere around the start of July. So it won't be long after that before your opportunity to prepare will have passed. Now, some of the things you can do to prepare, of course, is dust off your grandma's old recipes and learn uh, how to do some canning. Be careful. Canning can be dangerous. You have to watch out for botulism. You have to, to do the things the right way. But learn to do these things. Uh, learn to grow your own food and stock up on things like uh, 2,000 calorie meals that are rated to last you for 25 years like you can get at My Patriot Supply. You also might want to go ahead and, uh, you know, have some protein bars on standby. Uh, 
The folks over at Built Bar can help you with that. So I'm going to recommend you check out both of them. Going to be a link in today's show description. I didn't mention it back in the first hour. Uh, I was intending on putting them together. I kind of slipped right past that because I went right into the man, oh man, I wish I could forget Biden was uh, president. But uh, anyway, I'm getting them both in here and I'm going to continue to push these two for the next little bit because these are things that are going to be helpful in the very near future. So go check them out now. There'll be uh, links in the show description. What I'm going to ask you to do is to either uh, copy the entire link and paste it in your web browser or to come visit me at tapintothetruth.com. That's T-A-P-P, into the truth, all one word, dot com. And uh, scroll, once you get to the homepage, scroll down past recent guests and then start looking at the uh, various banners and buttons. And I'm going to highly recommend you check out My Patriot Supply. I'm going to highly recommend you check out Built Bar because these are things that may very well be the difference between you having enough food and not. And these folks are, are going to be in a position where they, too, are going to be facing the same supply chain issues. The shortages are coming. Biden has already told you, do not hesitate. And even if you don't want to use the links that I provided, you don't want to uh, visit that, please just go visit them anyway. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. Go directly to them. Go to Built.com. If you, want, if you don't want to support this show, then skip it. But go visit them, see what all they've got to offer, and get prepared. This is just a couple of uh, chances you have. I'm not trying to tell you this to uh, push you into panic, but I am trying to greatly encourage you to, to go visit these sites. Food and ammunition are going to be important commodities if the current course continues, period. But we're going to start seeing some serious issues in our food supply chain by early July. You can mark that out on your calendar. You can hold me to that. That's where, that's where things start getting scary. So please, now if you will use the links I'm providing, I'd greatly appreciate it because then there's you get to do what you need to do and it helps to support the show. But if you don't want to support the show, I still want to encourage you. Just do what I said and visit these sites. And visit others like them. Get prepared. It's going to get ugly. All right. <clears throat> now, some folks actually kind of hit me up uh, on social media the other day and asked why I hadn't talked about the uh, Governor Whitmer kidnapping trials that uh, came up where some folks were, well, you know, they, were, they weren't convicted. And I had intended on going there, and then I kind of got sidetracked with some other stories, and I had meant to, to get there today to, to discuss that a little bit because clearly it's kind of an important point. But now, because of the nature of media, I had more reason to talk about a story that's connected to the Whitmer kidnapping conspiracy story because the leftist over at MSNBC, uh, yeah, that really narrows it down. In this particular case, I'm talking about Joy Reid. She tweeted her disgust this past Friday with the Michigan jury that did not convict four men of conspiracy, conspiring to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer, the current governor of the state of Michigan. Reed, as she often does, focused on the race 
and the political leanings of the accused men, arguing that they were not convicted because they were white, right-wing extremists. Uh, yeah, the fact that the FBI kind of set this up from the get-go and that the state didn't make a case that these men generally had planned on trying to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer, that had nothing to do with it. It was solely the fact that they were white and right-wingers. That, that was it. Joy nailed it. I mean, I would like to spend just a second in uh, Joy Reid's world where everything is so horribly racist and so that uh, you have to be white to have any level of success, despite the fact that she happens to be a woman of color in a prominent host position at a, well, it's still a minor uh, television platform. But I'm still going to say she's on TV and I'm not. So, eh, and she seems to be doing okay for a woman of color. Anyway, uh, quoting from her little Twitter rant. Is anybody else tired of so much of the news coming from Twitter these days? Come on, Elon, you're, you're not working fast enough. <clears throat> anyway, uh, quoting from her tweet rant. Unreal. So in America... In the year of our Lord, 2022. You know what? I bet her fingers kind of burnt a little bit and uh, kind of singed as she was typing in the year of our Lord. Because that's clearly a it's a reference to, uh, to Jesus. But I, I don't think that she understood that that's what that's a reference to. She just heard some really cool person say it a while back in a movie. And she's like, I'm going to put it like that because other people have done it and it sounds cool. What does it mean? The year of our Lord. Well, I'm thinking Joe Biden. Didn't keep the fingers from singeing, though, did it there, Joy? Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, let me get back to this quote. I'm going to start over because I'm, I'm enjoying that too much myself. Uh, I'm laughing too much at my own jokes here. Uh, unreal. So in America, in the year of our Lord, 2022, you can plot to kidnap a Democratic woman governor to stage a show trial and hurt her or worse because you don't like COVID restrictions and walk as long as you're a white right-wing extremist? Holy jury nullification, Batman. Okay, now I'm curious how we got from the year of our Lord to a Burt Ward level Alan West Batman reference. Holy jury nullification, Batman. Anyway, obviously she was talking about this in response to a report from NBC News. Uh, in this particular instance, more to the point of NBC News correspondent Ken uh, DeLennon, I believe, uh, who wrote that there were, quote, zero guilty verdicts in the case of the alleged plot to kidnap Michigan's governor. Now, uh, the jury reached a partial verdict on the trial that began in March, acquitting Brandon uh, Corsetta and Daniel Harris of conspiracy to kidnap the governor. Corsetta and Harris are now walking free. The two other men on trial, a Barry Croft and an Adam Fox, were also not convicted of conspiracy charges, but many believe that they will be uh, retried since it was only a partial verdict. 
Now, I'm not real sure how you get a partial verdict. Uh, in this particular case, uh, they weren't convicted, but they allowed the other two to be acquitted. So the last two were not acquitted. They just weren't convicted. The, the jury trial system in middle weird. Uh, during the trial, Assistant U.S. Attorney Nels Kessler argued that, quote, in America, there's a lot of things you can do. You can criticize the government publicly, absolutely. If you don't like the government's policies, you can protest them. If you don't like election, I'm sorry, if you don't like elected leaders, you can vote them out at the ballot box. What you can't do is kidnap them, kill them, or blow them up. Uh, maybe somebody should remind folks like Madonna and Johnny Depp of that. I, I, you know, I'm just throwing that out. There's a couple of random examples for no real reason. But I would also remind uh, everyone that in this particular case that nobody was actually kidnapped and nobody was killed or maimed or even given a tiny boo-boo. And no one was blown up. None of those three things happened. So, okay, I, I agree with you. None of those things should happen uh, under normal circumstances. Uh, but I'm curious as to why you use those as the examples when it's almost always leftist talking about people like the orange man who's bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist uh, who make such threats like blowing up the White House and talking about when the last time an actor uh, killed a setting president. It's just, just odd that this is the instance you break that out of. However, the jury was unable to unanimously come to the conclusion that these four men wanted to commit any of those crimes. So, guess what? Bye-bye now. The acquitted defendants, the first two, and their families celebrated the jury's verdict this past Friday, which came on uh, Caserta's birthday. I'm probably butchering his last name. I apologize, dude. I, I'm glad you got to celebrate your birthday in freedom. Saying, quote, the, the best birthday ever. Uh, evidently, Harris's father uh, said after the verdict, quote, we are so elated. Unbelievable amount of people praying through this whole ordeal. God is so good. Of course, that's going to set off somebody like Joy. And Joy Reid pinning her displeasure with the outcome of the trial on the defendant's race. Well, that shouldn't be too surprising either. That's just about all she ever blames anything on. Reed makes it a habit of focusing on race to explain political motivations. Just last month, uh, it was reported that Reed concluded that Americans only cared about the plight of the Ukrainian people as Russia invaded their country and bombed their cities because they're white and Christian. Saying, quote, let's face it. The world is paying attention because this is happening in Europe. If this was happening anywhere else, we would see the same outpouring of support and compassion. Well, 
if this was happening anywhere else, would we see the same outpouring of support and compassion? Now, this was Reed talking on her show. And uh, I would say, yes, if this was happening in Canada, we would see it. If this was happening in the United States, we would see it. If it was happening in France or uh, in England, we would see it. But obviously, obviously, it, it's pretty clear. If this was happening in Uganda, uh, no, no, we wouldn't see it. We wouldn't even talk about it. We'd just keep going around, and we'd be singing my favorite little tune. Everything is awesome. And we would completely ignore it. Because that's what we do, right? Come on, Joy. Really? Is this really your answer to everything? Well, yes, like most leftists, it is. Because it's way more important to be a person of color than it is to be a reasonable thinking individual that is taking full advantage of the opportunities that this nation provides. Yes. Would we see the same outpouring of support and compassion? She continued in saying, we don't need to ask ourselves if the international response would be the same if Russia unleashed their horror on a country that wasn't white and largely Christian because Russia has already done it in Syria. Yeah, except uh, there's some things you need to know about that uh, there, Joy. Uh, things you're not going to tell your audience. Nobody on who's watching your show is going to find out from you. But Syria got under so much of Russia's thumb because Barack Obama decided, well, this is hard. I'm going to draw a red line. And as soon as you pass it there, Bashir, I'm going to draw another red line. And then I'm going to draw another red line. And then I'm going to say, I'm out. Russia, uh, go ahead. Do whatever you want to do. And, of course, Russia said, thank you very much. Another location where we'll be searching for moose and squirrel. We will eliminate the possibility of moose and squirrel being in Syria by bombing many Syrian cities and helping to prop up Bashir to continue his reign of terror as a puppet state for us. No moose and squirrel allowed in Syria. Yes, Barack Hussein Alu Akbar Obama is the one who allowed Russia to take firm hold of Syria. And as I recall... I seem to remember a lot of people in the mainstream legacy media with an outpour of concern and caring for the refugees of Syria, making the case every day that we should just allow Syrian refugees into the United States and all throughout Western Europe without any type of vetting. In fact, the instant someone, I'm looking at you, Don, the instant somebody said, we're not doing a very good job of vetting these people, maybe we need to stop letting folks in from these countries that have a, a huge issue with terrorism until we can better vet them. I seem to recall you calling that a Muslim ban and saying it's unconstitutional and not legal, even though every other president who's ever held the office has the authority to do it. Not Donald Trump, because Donald Trump is racist. Donald Trump is a kicker of puppies. He's an eater of babies. He is a climate arsonist. He is an orange man who's very, very, very bad. I seem to recall, Joy, you and all your ilk everywhere being extremely compassionate for people who may or may not have deserved such compassion. And the reason I say may or may not is because some of them were 
were obviously legitimate refugees trying to get out of a war-torn area that the United States had a minor responsibility to maintain, since we kind of screwed the pooch on this one. But things got a lot worse when we decided, yeah, well, we don't really care where ISIS is, and we don't really care that Assad's using ISIS as an excuse to, to go after Kurds and, and other undesirables, and according to the Ba'ath Party. And you know what? Russia's already there. We'll, we'll just let it be their mess. And he walked away. Barack Obama made that the situation that it is. Their joy. Are you going to tell any of your folks that? Or does Charlemagne the God have to be the one to come out and tell some more truths about where the Democratic Party is in the modern age? You're not keeping your promises, Pete. Really? <laughs> yes, Pete. Yes, indeed. It, it continues to boggle my mind how much we see these people just openly race bait and yet they're treated like somehow they're insightful, thoughtful, thought-provoking individuals. I think if an original thought busted loose in Joy Reid's mind, her head would probably explode. If it couldn't find an easy way out, if it couldn't just get whoop right through one of those ear holes or maybe right out that mouth when she uh, uh, opened it up to once again call somebody racist... Uh, it would probably just keep bouncing around in there, building up speed and power and strength like a, a Super Bowl uh, that's been turned loose in a very tiny square until it eventually uh, builds up enough force and power that it just pops its way out. One original, actual, honest-to-goodness thought. Some true analysis of a situation. I mean, it's literally, in her case, because everything's racism, it's the same thing as being a hammer. When you're a hammer, as the saying goes... All you see are nails. Boom, boom, boom. When you are a full-blown racist that feels like you're the uh, uh, bended party, then guess what? Everybody else is racist. Racism is always the answer. Racism is always the answer. Whatever the question was, why do you think Joe Biden stumped his toe? Because the step was racist. You know Joe's a, an old white guy, right? Yeah, but he, right now he's also just a useful tool for us. So as a useful tool, if you're standing opposed to what Biden wants, you're standing opposed to what we want, and then you, by default, must be racist. You know, every now and then I see some of these folks that are working over on MSNBN, MSNBC, what did I say, MSNBN, MSNBC, and uh, some of the folks working over in CNN. And I just, I can't help but think, how am I not on a television show? How is it that I'm not good enough to have my own show when I see these people? But then I realize the only way to get onto one of those networks is to be so committed to the left that you're willing to say anything, whether you are smart enough to know that it's false or not. And see, and that's where I have a real problem. That's where most of us conservatives have a problem. And again, I'll remind you, not everybody with an R at the end of their name are really conservative either. So don't go lumping yourself in if you don't belong. But most conservatives generally tend to feel as if honesty is an important part of dealing with other people. 
You know, some of us like to lie to ourselves quite frequently, and so we do. But when we know that we're talking to somebody else, we kind of feel this compulsion to be honest. Some of us, because we're Christian and we believe that that's the way we should conduct ourselves, and some of us just have that ingrained feeling where maybe we don't identify as being Christian, but we do feel like, I'm going to lose credibility uh, in the eyes of these people that I want to have an impact on. Maybe I don't care what they really think, but I want to have the kind of impact to help these people. And in order to do that, they have to feel like they can trust me. They have to feel like I'm not going to lead them astray intentionally. doesn't mean that I won't occasionally get something wrong, just that I'm not going to lie to them. So that's why I don't have a show on one of those networks. And the conservative networks out there, they kind of have uh, a much higher standards. So I guess I'm not getting on television anytime soon unless I start my own network, which, by the way, unless you guys start buying a lot of stuff uh, off of my website, that's not happening either. And with that, I'm going to have to leave things there. Uh, that's going to be it for today. Uh, as always, thank you so very much for being here. I greatly appreciate it. And remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. And oh yeah, one more thing for Barely There Biden. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, let's go. Hey.
is using both hands. <laughs> 